There's three things that are on my heart to talk about this Easter Sunday, three very precious things to my heart, aspects of Jesus' resurrection. And the first one is the future hope that Jesus' resurrection secures for us. The second one is the present power that Jesus' resurrection brings us into. And the third one is just the personal closeness that Jesus' resurrection brings each one of us into. So again, the future hope that Jesus' resurrection brings us, the present power that it brings us, and the personal closeness. There's so many passages in the New Testament that I could refer to to, to point this, this issue of the, of the future hope. So much of the logic of the gospel, so much, there's so many verses throughout your New Testament that, that bank the idea that we will be raised from the dead on the last day, that because, because Jesus is raised, he's the firstborn from among the dead, he's the firstborn from among many brothers and sisters, that as he bore our earthly image, we will bear his heavenly image, that as he rises, we one day will rise. There's so many passages I could go to, so I'm just going to give you one quick reference, which is Philippians 3.21, which talks about Jesus by the power that enables him to take everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies to become like his heavenly body. I said only one, I'll reference another one. 1 Corinthians 15, the imperishable will be swallowed up. I'm sorry, will swallow up the perishable. He says it, Paul says it this way, I tell you a mystery, we won't all sleep, but we will all be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Jesus is gonna speak a word, the dead will rise, and those who are alive on the planet who serve Jesus will be simply in a moment changed. No longer subject to death. Right now, our spirits are fully alive, fully righteous. Our spirits are one with Christ Jesus. Our spirits are one with God. But then, Romans 8 says, we will receive the full adoption of sons, the body, a a physical body that is no longer subject to decay, no longer subject to mortality, no longer subject to the conditions of sin. And we will inherit a new heavens and a new earth. Yes, those who are in Christ now are fully awake with the Lord Jesus in what he calls paradise. But then those who are in paradise will take on bodies, bodies like the one Jesus now has. Bodies apparently that can walk through walls and eat fish. Future hope. This future hope endows me with such an emotional component every time we have a funeral and every time I remember my loved ones departed. I think of baby Olive, I think of Grandpa Henry, I think of Grandpa Dave, I think of Aaron who died at 18 years old who was on my floor in college, I think of my friends depart, I think of Janessa, I think of these people, they're wide awake in glory but they will one day rise, Jesus will come down, he will speak a word, I imagine the soil will tremble and shake and we will hear a rumble as the graves open and the the bodies Brand new, rise. These are little gardens, our little, our little graveyards. These are not, these, this is not just like the best we can come up with, put them in the ground, give them a little stone, remember them. They're alive in our memories. No, they're alive. They're alive in heaven right now. I believe, see this thing about like, we sometimes think of the, the, the saints militant here on earth and the saints triumphant here in heaven. And I want to argue, just, not, actually I'm not even going to argue it, I'm just going to assert it as though it's true. I want to assert this. 
It's not the saints militant and the saints triumphant. It's the saints militant and triumphant. And the saints triumphant and militant, I think they're still praying. They're still contending. They're still aware. Moses and Elijah show up on the mountaintop to encourage Jesus in his hour of need. Tell me they're not still contending. Father says, I need you two boys to go down there and encourage him because you know what it's like. All right, let's go. Let's do this thing. The the martyred saints are under the throne lamenting in heaven. Think it through. They're lamenting in heaven. When will you vindicate our blood? When will we get the inheritance? When will we get the pay? You promised. You you gave something in your heart. You promised that our sacrifices would be paid off. You promised a thousand generations of those that love and serve you, your faithfulness would go to their family. Where's my inheritance? Where's my inheritance? And the father says, patience. They're lamenting in heaven. They're interceding in heaven. They're praying in heaven. They're contending in heaven for the kingdom to come on earth. We've got this weird vacation individualist paradise mindset that says it's horrible here below, but one day we'll escape and then we'll be ignorant up there. All right, okay. Future hope. So strong, so real, so tangible. And we do grieve. We do grieve. We sorrow. We miss them, but they're alive. If we catch this vision, though, of his resurrection ensures my resurrection, that his victory is my victory. If we catch this vision, death can, can be... Str- we stomped on death's head this morning, but you know it's still winning until the last enemy, death, is finally done away with. What we're stomping on is the certainty of that it will be. We, this is hope. Our death, where is the, your sting? Like every year, I'm like, here we go. They're going to get the heavy metal guitars out, and we're going to get aggressive and militant up in here. Because that's warfare. Death is an enemy, not a friend. But we're already anticipating that because Jesus rose, he broke it open. Amen. And one day, he'll drive it home. Yes. Okay. Second thing, just always every year, so precious to me about Easter First one, future hope. Second one, present power. Present power. Ephesians chapter one. Paul prays this really beautiful prayer. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'm gonna keep reading. Once you were dead. Once you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by nature, we were God's enemy, subject to his wrath, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead, 
not sick people, dead because of our sins, or I should say in sins, and new living, sorry. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I don't know if you, like, Protestants are pretty good at understanding Jesus died for our sins, but we're not so good at understanding that he, raised, he was raised from the dead for our justification. We kind of understand a little bit that death has to do with forgiveness, but we don't understand nearly as much as I want us to and that I want to. But the, there's so much resurrection logic in the gospel. This is, this is, okay, I'll finish the passage. Don't, stop preaching until you finish the passage. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are in Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us who are in Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here's the point. Paul, finished, Paul prays, I pray that you will grasp the power that is available now for the believer. I pray you will grasp the power that is available. And then he says, let me tell you, it's not a power kind of like It's not a power comparable to, but smaller. It's not a power sort of like, but metaphorically. It is the same spirit that raised Christ. He was dead as a doornail in the grave. And the spirit of God came into him and reanimated his body. Not only that, not only that, made him no longer subject to death itself. Now that he's died once, he can never die again. Death has no mastery over him. No more, no more. He died to end the power of sin once for all. Now he lives for the glory of God. That's Romans 6. And that's why Romans 6 says, so now you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God because you're in him. You're in him. So the logic of Ephesians is he just finished praying, God, I pray God give you Holy Spirit revelation to grasp the power that's available. Now, this is the power. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Let me tell you about it. He says, you were dead too. Just like Jesus was dead in the grave, you were dead in sin. You were spiritually dead and empty. You didn't do a thing to raise yourself. You didn't do a thing to save you. Well, I prayed and received Jesus. The only way you prayed to receive Jesus was because Holy Spirit did something first. He called you. You don't take credit for your faith. Your faith is the evidence of Holy Spirit already drawing you. Why do you want him? Because he's calling you, because he's working on you, because he's wounded. God is the grand missionary. He longs for people. He loves people. The same, but Jesus is passive. You understand this? He doesn't raise himself. He entrusts himself completely to the Father, even unto death. And the Father does the rest. And doesn't just raise him from the dead, gives him the name, exalts him to the highest place. There's no demon, there's no super angel, there's no regional, big, big boss battle demon. Those are those words in the Bible. Rulers and authorities, those are boss battle demons, if you're a video game person. You know what I mean? You're fighting all the regular, regular bad guys, and then all of a sudden, the music, dun, 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 and it locks so you can't scroll side anymore, and then you have to find a boss battle. Those boss battle demons, 
He's defeated all of them without much effort. Like at the end of history, it's a one little word. And I don't know if the word is enough or what or no. Or son, you're done. I don't know what, I don't know what the little word is. But with one word, it says Jesus will overthrow all the power of the evil one with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his arrival. And that same power that gave Jesus that resurrection, that exaltation, and that authority, that same spirit dwells in us. And Paul says, look, I don't think we're going to be able to get this. Uh, it's like we're taking a bucket to a... To a we're, this is the vision I had during worship. We're taking a bucket to a gold mine, and we're digging, and we've got our pickaxe and our shovels, and we're digging and we're chipping away. And there's just so much gold, and... We come out and we're like, can't even carry the bucket. And we say, I think we're going to need a bigger bucket. Paul's like, we're going to need a bigger bucket. I pray God gives you a bigger bucket. Maybe a wheelbarrow, maybe a truck, maybe a train. I don't know. But the power that's available for the believer, the power is so great that he actually says, what I'm going to do, what I'm doing, the things you've seen me do for three years, now for 2,000 years, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all of you and you're going to do even greater things than this. I think of Jesus as the apex, the pioneer and the author, that you can't get any, more, any better than Jesus. And that's true, but Jesus said greater works than these. I don't even know. Like one, Jesus says weird things to me like, I made you, Tim, because I wanted to see how you'd bring the kingdom because I like you. And you're different. You're unique. So I wanted to see how you'd bring the kingdom. Do it your way. When I ask him, what should I do? And he says, I kind of wanted to see what you do. That's why I made you. Paul's praying that we'll get a bigger bucket to comprehend the present power because now that Jesus is alive and glorified, he happens to be Lord, he happens to have all authority, and he happens to be pouring out his spirit on the people who are connected to him. Okay. And we're going to have to pray for a bigger bucket because my words can't, can, can't do that. I can't, I can't say, the power is available. And then everyone go, oh, man, this is incredible. Revival. Ah. It has to be a Holy Spirit thing that, that opens our boxes, yes. gives us new ones. Yes. Plus, our storage containers of our mind are filled with all sorts of things that life taught us that we were never meant to learn. Exactly. So we're going to have to unlearn a whole bunch of, let's use the word junk, We're going to have to unlearn a whole bunch of junk we were never meant to learn. And we're going to need a bigger box. I don't know. Bigger something. Future hope. Death defeated. Present power. The same power that raised him from the dead. The same power that he walked with for three years. The same power that raised him from the dead, exalted him, and placed him at the highest place. And by the way, we're in that place with him. God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus and good night I don't like we take too much responsibility for stuff that's not our fault and too much credit for things that are not our fault you know what I mean like I can't control other people's choices and it's and it's and I'm not the one who let me put it this way if Jesus uses me to help people and I start to think it's me I can't I I'm not strong enough to handle the blame of other people's choices and I'm certainly not strong enough to handle the credit for things God did. 
Like, let's, let's, stay, let's stay in this place of I'm abiding in him and I'm going to give him the glory for this whole thing. I'm not going to boast in me. I'm going to boast in him. When we're shouting and yelling about all that stuff up here, one of the th- things that I sometimes just yell is, you're my boast. Don't let the wise man boast of his wisdom. Don't let the rich man boast of his wealth. Don't let the strong man boast of his like, yeah, come on now. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. Okay. Final one. Future hope, present power, personal closeness. Pinky, obey. Pinky, get down, Pinky. Pinky doesn't want to go down. You know what I mean? Pinky feels connected to this finger. Personal closeness. Ah, Lord, help me to convey this. It's the sweetest thing to me of this whole season. When I came up and pounded the stage next to Steve, I just was shouting and pounding and saying, I thought I lost you. I have you now. I have you forever. Easter, I have you now. I have you back. Mary in the garden, John chapter 20. Mary in the garden. She rushes. She's the first one to the grave. She discovers that it's empty. She rushes back to the town. She gets Peter and John. They all three run back. John's faster, but Peter's bolder, so he goes in, finds the, that Jesus apparently is very organized and likes to fold things. He wraps and carefully folds his head scarf thing, like details that some of us notice. That he doesn't like throw the rags off. Like he doesn't, he's not Israel. He doesn't throw his shoes off in the socks on the, on the living room floor. Israel, Caleb. All right. Sorry, buddy. He, he, post-resurrection, he takes time to fold them. Anyway, that's a little detail. It's irrelevant to the sermon. But Mary shows up. He's not here. Runs back. Gets Peter and, and John. They come. Peter goes in. They come out like, what is going on? And it says that they go home. They go home. Wondering what happened. But then this detail, Mary stays at the tomb weeping. Just check this out. She's the first one there and she's the last one there. She can't let it go. And I don't think it's just as simple as like, you know, oh my word, my existential hopes are dashed. My resurrection anticipation, my eschatological, uh, you know, utopian, what, I don't know, it was personal. Where have you taken him? Where did you, where, I lost him. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. He's the best, I've, I've never met anyone who loves me like me, like him. I've never met anyone who even sees me like him. And it makes sense too, of course, duh, because if, if only Abba knows us, then only Jesus' voice can really, re, I mean really know us Fully. You know, that voice that can say to the tax collector, follow me. And we just go, I'm done with that. What's your, yes. Where are we going and who are you? You know, one interaction at the well, the woman who's got all these husbands and nothing never works out, and you know, it's the country song, is looking for love in all the wrong places. And suddenly, yeah, cliche, but true. Suddenly one man meets her one time and says, you've had, you know, this many husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And I want to give you water that you won't have to come back here. The water I give you will well up. And she says, come, this is what she says to the town. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. 
No, he told her like three things. That's how known she felt. That's how known, that's how seen. There's, like, there's, so Mary, if you know anything about Mary, she's like my favorite of all, of the whole Bible. Mary at his feet, Mary listening to what he had to say, Mary at his feet, Mary pouring out her perfume. Now it's Mary first to the tomb, Mary last at the tomb, Mary weeping, what did you do with him? Then it says angels show up. Should I read it or just tell you? Mary was standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept she stood and looked in and she saw the two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? Notice that, the exact words. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Anyone else notice that's the same exact phrase the angels just said? You know why? That's their job, to say what Jesus is saying. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That was free. But they didn't understand until later what he had meant by what he had said. Okay. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Ah, she's in love. She's in love. That's why she's first at the tomb, last to leave, crying and still trying to find. Where is he? I don't care that he's dead. I'm, I'm, I, where is he? Where, love will put you in the right place at the right time, even when your hopes are dashed. Finally, Jesus said to her, Mary. She looked up and recognized him. Rabboni, which means teacher. Then he says, then he says, go tell my brothers that I'm alive, just as I said. And then he says, I'm going to go to my father and your father to my God and your God. Church passes out. I think this one word, Mary, is maybe my favorite verse in the whole Bible. She gets everything back with one word, Mary. The sweetest word in any language, your name on Jesus' lips. She gets him back I get him back Easter morning. I get him back. I thought I lost you. I got you back. Now it's going to be okay. I don't understand how it's going to be okay. I'm telling you, first love will put you in the right place at the right time when hopes are dashed, when you don't understand how anything can ever fix this, when your heart is so broken, you don't know how to work. You don't know how to live. You don't know what to do next. But first love will put you in the right place at the right time, even when faith isn't there. When your faith is dashed, when your hopes are dashed, but, the, but you just, you're still so in love with Jesus, the person of Jesus, you will find yourself in the right place at the right time for him to rescue you, for him to encounter you. Some people get so hurt by church that they throw church away, they throw individual churches away, but sometimes people get so wounded, they'll throw 
the, the very people of God away in toto, the whole church. And then you watch their progression and they, they act like it's... Because the biggest thing we do as humans is we rationalize our compromise. Which is the open door to deception. Is when we rationalize our compromise. And then you end up over here. But the question that I have for those... those and I don't, I'm not saying this as people in the room. But the question that I have is like, don't, but don't you just miss, miss Jesus? Do you know what I mean? This is a way we can pray for people who've just rejected so much because of hurt and they're, you know, I'm done. This is a way we can pray. Pray they miss Jesus. Don't you miss Jesus? God, make them lovesick for Jesus. God, let your love melt our defenses. Because don't we want to hide from the light when we're holding on to some darkness? But this is the most beautiful word, Mary. My name on his lips. After, after everything has happened, after I've lost hope, after everything has gone wrong. Yes. And then out of her mouth, of course, teacher. You know, and then she wants to cling to him with such, a, with such a bear hug of tenacity that he's like, whoa, easy there, killer. My God, your God, my father, your father. Oh, that we would get this revelation that we don't have a vicarious relationship with Abba. That Jesus has brought us directly into the presence of the Abba, our Abba, our Father, who can tell us who we are, who can lead us and teach us and shape us. That that's his whole goal, that's his whole mission, is to bring us home. Not so that one day we can go to heaven, but so that right now, We can have restored fellowship with Abba, Romans 5. All who live in Christ, all who are in Christ, will live in triumph over sin and death now and one day rise. If I give you this microphone, are you going to scream at everyone and scare us all? You don't know, do you? I know, I know. I never know either. Okay, dial it down. Because you have a really good word to deliver. He says, don't, don't tell Tammy what to do. He being Jesus. <laughs> I asked you Tammy can, to give the invitation uh, to the prayer time. So. You, you can tell me what to do. But you know how many times I repeat back I to you your words. I understand so much. I prayed <laughs> so, so many times. Down. God, don't let me scream. Why do you make me scream? And then I scream. I won't, I won't so. scream. I was praying this week. Um, about just different things, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word for congregation, and in one sentence, it was that I am breathing life into dead spaces. And we sang this morning that, our, that death has been defeated, that our king has defeated death. And I just want to, that death is not just physical death. There might be another area of your life that's experiencing death, There might be hopes that have died, dreams that have died. There might be relationships that have died. There might just be a deadness inside that you can't quite explain. All of it's been defeated. All we need to do is speak a word. When Jesus walked into the room where Jairus' daughter was, he didn't say, oh, she's dead as a doornail. I wish I could have got here sooner and walked away. Not much I can do. All he said was, little girl, get up. When he stood at Lazarus' tomb, all he said was, come forth. 
Ezekiel preached to a valley of dry bones. And as he preached to those bones, they started rattling. Sinew came on them, and then flesh, and then skin, and then they stood up. But they still didn't breathe. And God said, prophesy again. So then he prophesied again, and he breathed life into them. So I want to ask, think about that area. Just, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you illuminate anybody's heart and mind. An area of death or deadness or a feeling that something is dying and it's too late. Bring that to their attention. And now I want to ask you as you're thinking of it, are you willing to prophesy to dead bones? Are you willing to speak life? Because that's all you got to do. You don't need to complain about it. You don't need to despair over it. You don't need to rant over it. All you have to do is speak life. Are you willing to speak life over that? When you come into his presence, the dead begin to rise. All deadness comes to life when you come into his presence. I would like, and I don't know if anybody else wants to join me, and if you have an area of your life that you're having difficulty prophesying over, your words have started to fail because your hope is failing, I want to pray for you. Let's speak life into that. He is here today breathing life into dead places into dead spaces in each one of us. And if that speaks to you, I want to pray with you. And I want to breathe life into you. If you just want to pair up with somebody, that's fine. Tell them this is what I'm experiencing and let them pray over you. So whatever, or you can leave, it's up to you. Go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray a general prayer and then those of you who want to come up and pray can, can do that. Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you so much for future resurrection, for death's defeat, for sin's power broken. You are incredible. You win the great victory. You are so amazing. Thank you so much, God, for the present power that you raised us up with Christ. I pray for a bigger bucket. I pray for a bigger box. And Jesus, oh my word, we have you now. We have you back. We have personal relationship with you. God, would you seal those three things in our minds? And I'm asking God now that you inspire faith in us that this same power that raised you from the dead, we can partner with it and bring life to all areas of our lives, that the kingdom can come. God's people said, amen, amen.